This is Danny Pate doing an interview with Amanda Steege for My First Pony. Amanda, tell me about your first pony and how you acquired him and what was its name. Okay, uh, my first pony's name was Pepper. And my dad, my parents live in Massachusetts and run a horse farm called Red Acre Farm. And my father was traveling to teach some kids at a farm nearby and there was this pony in the front yard every day when he drove in and drove out and he was tied to a stake not with a long rope I mean not be not like he was um, being abused or anything but they didn't have a fence so they just tied this pony to the front yard to the stake and um, finally the fifth or sixth time he went there to teach these kids he asked about the pony and they said that he didn't really have a job so he became my first pony and he wasn't a show pony. He was a, a beginner's pony right. or a teaching pony or mm-hmm. a play pony, right. I guess is what we would call him. And um, mostly he was really good at lead line and teaching me how to trot and be on the lunge line and things like that. But my sister and I both dragged him around to all the horse shows and he entertained us all day while my parents were working. And then there's a pretty funny story about him because it was time for me to move on to the next pony something that I could ride more independently and my sister whose name is Casey took over Pepper and as I said Pepper was not that great when he wasn't on the lead line so she used to ride him a lot in the indoor ring and he was giving her a hard time one day and I thought I was you know knew everything by then so I told her I was going to get on him and and train him for her So I got on him in the indoor. I mean, I'm probably like six or seven at the most. And what would happen is you'd be trotting around in the indoor on Pepper. So it was a summertime. We would ride him in the indoor because he didn't steer that well. So the doors would be open and they would have like a four by four across the end just to keep the horses in, basically. And my sister would ride him around in there and sometimes he would run under the four by four. And my sister was little and very flexible. And when she knew he was going to do that, she would just lay back on his butt and go right under. So I got on him. I was convinced that I was going to train him not to do that for her, which did not go great. Pepper made the same move. He trotted once or twice around, and then he exited the ring. But I sat up straight and just busted the board right in half with my chest. You didn't come off? You didn't fall <laughs> I didn't fall off. That was amazing. My dad said it was like Wonder Woman <laughs> busting through the 4 it's by like 4 at the edge, of, my pony, the, I got at the edge line, of the ring. Literally by a clothesline a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What did you move on after Pepper? Who was your next one um, you started showing? So my next one after that was a little white pony named Ballerina that I did in the short stirp. And then shortly after that, I had a pony named Quiz Kid that was a fairly famous small pony. He had already done pony finals and all of that. He was older by the time that I uh, got him. And he was a great pony. He was the pony that I really got to start competing on and doing things on. He didn't do lead changes, though. So he he usually would land on his leads um, or just he didn't do changes it didn't matter like lots of adults and professionals tried to do the changes with him and it wasn't going to happen he just refused to do yeah so i am so lead change obsessed now ever since having a pony that didn't do them um 
my next pony was a large green pony named Mooney. Mooney, we called him, or Moonlighting. And my, I got him as a, he was a four-year-old. And my parents joked that he could do tempy lead changes because I was not going to have another pony that could not change his leads. Right. Um, and still to this day... Uh, a lot of people send me horses that have trouble with lead changes because it became something that was very important to me to it learn how to do and learn how to teach horses to do. Did, did you show him? Did you go ahead and show him? Oh, yes. Him? I showed Mooney a lot. I think he was reserve. Uh, it was AHSA back then, but he was reserve AHSA large green right. pony of the year. And then again, that one got handed down to my sister. And, and then what would happen was... We would start with a pony for me, and then when I was finished with it, it would go to my sister. And then when my sister was finished with it, it would get leased out to other kids in the barn. And then when they were finished with it, it would go into my mom's riding school. Right. My mom so, still to this day teaches like 70 kids a week at her that's amazing. farm in Massachusetts. Yeah, that's a, that's so we amazing. didn't ever really sell our ponies. Once yeah. they came into the family, they they, they stayed life. there. Yeah. Um, my And I was actually talking to my dad about this subject today. And we were talking about my first pony, but he said my actual very first ever ride on a horse. So I was born in Massachusetts, and when I was born, my parents worked at Saddle River Farm for Hank and Marion Hulick. And James Hulick, who was a really great, famous rider, was my godfather. Right. And James, at the time of my birth, had a really famous horse named Willie Wonderful. So my dad said when I was six weeks old, he sat me up on Willie Wonderful with James because he said he wanted the first ride to be on a really good horse so that I knew that, what that felt like. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm and not that, sure my mom was thrilled with the six-week-old ride. When did you move on ride. up to the juniors and to the junior hunters? So, yeah, I. it's funny, you know, that we're having this conversation. I was looking in the mirror. This necklace is a necklace that one of my customers gave me, but it has all of the most influential horses in my life's names on it. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, but so there's one on here that says Spanky, and Spanky's horse show name was One in a Million. But he was a small junior hunter that my a client of my parents had purchased for herself to ride for $10,000. Right. He was small, flea-bitten gray, over at the knee, not a fancy mover, you know, one of those horses that everybody in New England had seen and tried and sort of passed over. Right. And he did not get purchased to be my junior hunter, but the horse that I had to ride at the time uh, passed away from colic. And this uh, lady who owned Spanky, her name was Cynthia Hindelman, let me show him at the local horse show one weekend in the Children's Hunters. And I was champion and then she let me show him some more and eventually that became the horse that I showed in the small junior hunters and all the metal and McClay and did the equitation finals on and that was sort of the horse that gave me my first taste of real success right. and, and made me realize that this was something that I wanted to do. How long did you ride Spanky for? I rode Spanky for like two and a half years as a junior um, so I I competed him like 91, yeah, 91, 92, I think. I won the Massachusetts medal finals on Spanky. I did my first time showing at Devon and 
Harrisburg and Washington and all of those things. Tell us and, about the Devin. How did how did that go with Spanish? I mean, I did not win all the classes, <laughs> but okay. you know, at that point in my life, it was just a huge thrill to get to show at Devin. Right. I think I was fifth in the <coughs> small junior state class there, so that was well, you know a good. big moment for me. I was I was definitely not one of these. <coughs> extremely famous junior riders that was catch riding 12 junior hunters or anything like that i mean i had my one horse that wasn't even really mine that i got to ride and and i worked at my parents farm and groomed and rode younger horses and things like that that's the best Um, way to do it come up the ranks right yeah and And then i went to college i went to boston (laughs) college for four years and i rode sort of sporadically during school. I mostly just rode in the summer. I started as a professional in the summers when I was at BC, but working for and under my dad at, at horse shows in the summertime. And basically, I was like the low hunter queen. Like, my dad rode all of the younger horses or like the higher level hunters but we had a group of amateur ladies and children's hunter kids and I would school those horses during the week in the low hunters so it was a great way to start because it was not super high pressure it wasn't like I was riding and showing young horses that were purchased for me to bring along or to even be sold Mm -hmm. I was just schooling them and hoping that they would be ready for their amateurs and juniors on the weekends well, tell us about your first big hunter in your, in your so my first big hunter was a horse named unseen his barn name was alex and i actually found him um we we purchased him for a client from mark Younghair. but i it was the first horse that i young horse that i saw myself and liked and thought that i could develop and make into a, a famous hunter and um, so I think he was five years old. My dad's clients, Annie and Nancy Connolly, purchased him from Mark Younghair. And then I showed him in the pre-greens and then the first years and second years. And he was champion at Devon in 2001 with me in the second year green. That's so that was, yeah, that was really soon after I graduated college and became a professional. I was still working under my father at the time. The horse was boarded and trained with my dad but i got to be the rider so that was my first big professional win you and your father were a team you sound like you still are yeah we still are and alex is on my necklace too Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah and then not that long after not that long after being champion at devon that year I got my first client of my own, and her name was Megan. Her name is Megan McGuire. She's still a client and a friend. And Megan sent me two horses, two mares. Um, one was named Candlelight. The other one's name was Notre Dame. And Megan sent them to my father's farm in Massachusetts, but they were very distinctly my clients. Right. And I used to like collect board and training from Megan's parents and then pay my parents for like the stall space and things like that um and candlelight and i went on to have a lot of success and and won classes at devon and the national horse show up to in the regular working hunters and then megan showed her in the amateur owner three foot six and was champion or reserve at devon and indoors so that was my first sort of taste of success 
sort of doing it on my own with right. my own came early with my own client. Um, let's 20, see. 20, so 19, I was born in 1975. So I was probably like 26 because right. I went to college for some of those early years, and then um, and then I moved to New Jersey. Megan lived in New Jersey at when she originally sent me the horses. They were in Massachusetts under my father's right. farm, and then. My second client, Pam Wildman, who was from Massachusetts at that at the time, her husband got transferred down to Johnson and Johnson in New Jersey, and just happened to be in the exact same area that Megan was living in. So, I moved to New Jersey, basically with two clients and four horses, and then I've been there ever since. Where did you move to? Did you uh, buy your own farm, or did you uh, lease no, a farm I, first? No, we rent. I still rent in New Jersey. I've been at various farms, but we're we're near Gladstone in right. Hunterdon County in New Jersey. So who come after him? After her, Candlelight. So after Candlelight, yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, so probably. You might have to look at your next. I mean, I have so many great ones, but probably the next really super successful one is a is a horse named Baloo. B-A-L-O-U, uh, that was purchased for a client of mine named Lisa Arena, who's also still a client now. And Baloo we got from Emil Spadone and Kate Conover, again, as a young horse, a six-year-old, like recently imported from Europe. And I showed Baloo all the way up through the ranks of the professional hunters and then his amateur, Lisa, took over the reins on him and we took him to horse shows for 12 years that's amazing we lisa still has him he's sort of semi-retired at her farm in new york so she still rides him right. but he's not showing anymore um and then right after baloo i had two horses that i was lucky enough to catch ride for ellen and jimmy toon one was named mirror image and the other one was named kingpin both of those horses were champion at devon in the first years so that was really exciting yeah that's amazing that you um and then probably my most famous one now at this point and the one that i still get to ride now is a horse named lafitte de muse lafitte was the first horse that i ever purchased in europe i i had bought a lot of horses that amel or mark or other professionals had imported from europe Mm -hmm. and then i tried them here in the united states but Lafitte, I actually got on a plane and flew to Germany and, and tried him as a six-year-old. My client, Cheryl Olsten, bought him, right. and I'm going on my sixth year of showing Lafitte. But he's won every title that there is to win, really, in the United States and um, is a horse I hope to have for a lot of years to come. Well, that's good. Tell us about what you liked about him. Um. Honestly, well, his videos from before I went were amazing as far as his jumping style and and all of that. Like, the talent level I knew was there just even off the videos before I tried him. But seeing him in person, there there was just the way he... There's something about his eye and the way he looks at you that you just knew that there was something special about that horse. Yeah. So I rode him twice when I went to try him in like a really small indoor ring in Germany because it was October and pouring rain outside and and um, the feeling of the jump was incredible. But like I said, it was it was more than that. There's like a he just is. You look in his eye and he's intelligent and caring and um, I knew that there was something special about him well, that's amazing yeah i've had a lot of good horses myself it's just a gut feeling that you really don't know you just have to go with your yeah gut, you know? and i think you and i were talking on the phone about 
McLean and Sapphire, and interestingly enough, Sapphire and Lafitte have the same father, which yeah, is that's Darko. What I, that's what yeah. kind of confused me. I yeah. thought maybe you had him yeah. one time, too, and I interviewed right. McLean yesterday. Yeah, Sapphire was one of his first big horses before Rothschild came Right, on. yeah. And, yep. uh, and that's amazing about the same same father. Yeah, yeah. And Do you have any, uh, what's your next plans with him? Um, with the feet, so he's going to show, so I just won a big derby last Friday here yeah, at WEC, and he's going to do um, the sort of finale derby they have here this coming Friday. And then you, most of Lafitte's goals are surrounded around derby finals, which right. is in August in Kentucky. So it's just about planning out a schedule to have him the most ready for derby finals in august yeah that, that's really amazing yeah do you have any uh, advice for young hunter riders coming up i know you're great you admire yeah. and have a huge following i mean i think the biggest thing is to not be in a rush to go out on your own but to spend a lot of time like working for other people or working under under people like work for as many people as you can like groom ride sit at the ring and listen to people I think that's all really helpful and secondly I think it was really important for me to take those four years to go to school I think there's a lot of people in the industry that stop as juniors and then want to jump right into having a career as a professional but I think those four years were really valuable for me and I think kids worry that I don't know people are going to forget about them or something if they take that time to go to school but I don't think that's true at all I had a psychology degree at BC and a minor in business and I think those tools that I learned there um, as well as the relationships I made with people there have helped me to get to where I am in my business today you had, you've had a lot of long-term clients seem like they come, they never leave. They're like family with you. Yeah, I mean, I designed my business right from the beginning. I wanted it to be relatively small, and I wanted it to be about hunters and me developing hunters and amateur clients. So right. I don't really have any junior clients. It's mostly ladies. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the junior clients maybe come and go just because of their age and right. going off to school or what doing whatever they're going to do next. And the amateur clients you tend to have for many years but yes both myself and my parents have a lot of very long-term clients yeah that's amazing that really is well thank you for your time amanda sure no uh, problem we'll uh, be in touch with you to get some pictures okay yes you yeah publisher you'll be in touch with thank you very much perfect